Welcome to the Bruins Vendors Podcast. It is episode 13, sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week, and you can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Just go to lopsbrewing.com and follow them on social media at Lops Brewing for new beers and events. I am Maddie. And my co-host is Smitty, and this episode is entitled How to Kill a Good Week by the Boston Bruins. <laughs> it certainly is. It certainly is. What a what a downer after uh, you know a pretty good week leading into this. It's uh, pretty disappointing, but we, we do have a quick word from our new show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, your NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting you can uh, bet on those afc and nfc championship games with the football coming up this weekend sign up for betus.com with your promo code rink for 125 percent sign up bonus that is b-e-t-u-s.com and again use the promo code rink for your sign up bonus play with the proven mainstay in the industry bet us you bet you win you get paid if you do win, you get paid. And nice. uh, you can go to betus.com and find all that stuff. Play some bets. You, can. you absolutely can. And our new home is on the Inside the Rink podcast network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink. Tons of great articles and podcasts and new writers you know, being added daily. To the inside the rank.com. It is a growing website and an excellent resource for NHL news. Well, so this was quite the week for the Bruins, and it started out as we go to our week weekend review, January 20th versus the Capitals, a four to three win in a game where the story was the physicality of the Capitals. Tom Wilson injures Anton Bleed, and Brad Marchand takes that hit from Garnet Hathaway, which was a dirty hit. Linus Allmark was shaky, but the Bruins show some resilience down two forwards. Brad Marchand breaks his nose, blood everywhere, but they still get the win. Uh, and it was a good win for the Bruins to get, to show some resilience. Uh, the the hit by Garnet Hathaway on, on Marchand, it was a dirty hit and looked as though Marchand may be really severely hurt. Um, but luckily he was not, and uh, they started the week off with a good win. Yeah, it was a good win. Yeah, I mean, Allmark was not very good in that game. He should have had two of the three goals. Uh, the defense wasn't great. Clifton had a bad pinch. Kylo had a bad pass. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> big third for Jake. DeBrusque had a goal and assist. A couple goals for Pasta. And McAvoy won it late with a nice snipe. Uh, it was a gutty win. You know, they finished with 10 forwards. So, you know, a pretty good win for them to start the week out. It sure was. It sure was. And on January 22nd versus the Winnipeg Jets, uh, a three to two win. And Brad Marchand surprises everyone by playing as he avoids serious injury. I think he's still bothered by it, but uh, he's, he is able to play when some people thought it might've been a collarbone, might've been a separated shoulder and out for some time. Even Bruce Cassidy said he would be out 
for some time, but Marshan was back. We'll see if that injury lingers at all uh, with Marshan and his production. Jake DeBrus seemed to have found some life with Oscar Steen and, and Charlie Coyle. And of course, uh, David Pasternak with a signature one-timer. It was another good win for the Bruins. And, um, you know, the one thing about them, though, is that they've been falling behind in games mm-hmm. uh, and able to come back and win, and this was another result of that. Yeah, I, I don't like the trend, though, of them falling yeah. behind early, and it, se- it does seem to be happening quite a bit. Happened again tonight against the Avalanche. We'll get to that later, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but not a, not, a, not a great start, but Clifton and Carlo fight after having a couple of bad giveaways in the Washington game. You know, I'd like to see a little bit more out of that, uh, out of Brandon Carlo, especially uh, if he's not going to give you anything offensively, which he doesn't or hasn't. Um, mm. And he should because he's a better skater, but he just doesn't really take the ice in front of him. He's not confident. I don't know if it's stick handling with the puck or having the puck on a stick, but he likes to get rid of it as soon as possible. So you're not going to generate a lot of offense if you're doing that. So he needs to be more physical and, and, and be a little nastier on the defensive end. I think if he did that, he would be more of a shutdown guy, which is what they really need him to be. But overall, you know, a nice bounce back win. And, and I believe you're right that DeBrusque is finding a little chemistry with Coyle and Steen there on the third line. Yeah, he definitely seems to be. And those are two physical games back to back. And then you go to the January 24th game versus the Anaheim Ducks at home. And a disappointing 5-3 to three loss. It wasn't great from the beginning. Tuka Rask was, uh, showed some extreme rustiness in this one. This is the first time where he really showed that long layoff and coming back from the injury and not having any time in Providence and so forth. Um, the Bruins fight back to get within one a few times, but they just can't get a save from Rask. And eventually Ryan Getzloff, who would look great in the black and gold, <laughs> uh, you know, scores and, and is a, as a real factor in the game. And, you know, it was a, it was a disappointing loss against the Ducks. It's actually much improved has, you know, than they've been in the past, but still it's a game that you really want to get heading into the, uh, to the avalanche game tonight. Another slow start, another penalty. You know, they take a penalty early on, and Tuca certainly didn't have it in that game. I mean, most of the shots were from distance. I mean, they were snipes, don't get me wrong. You know, good shots, but they were mostly from, you know, outside the circles, the -hmm. goals that they scored on. And then the shorthanded goal that the guy one-handed dribbler threw his pad, somehow it gets through him. So he was certainly rusty. It really appears as though he could have used some time in Providence. I know those games got got canceled, but it certainly looked as though he should have spent at least a few games down there getting ready and, and tuning up his game before he started playing for the Bruins. Cause the Bruins, you know, you know, they're in a decent spot as far as playoffs go and, and that kind of thing. But you really don't want to be giving games away that you don't have to give away. That was a disappointing result against, you know, an Anaheim team that's improved, but really you should win that. You should win that game at home. You should definitely win that game at home. And then, of course, tonight, January 26th, that the Avalanche. And the Avalanche come in winning 25 out of 30 uh, and hadn't lost at home since October 26th, so three months exactly. They score early on a goal by Curtis McDermott, his first goal in NHL. Uh, the Bruins get the next three. They get a goal and a great snipe by DeBrus coming down the right side. 
really nice six hole goal from him. And then Eric Johnson takes a terrible penalty cross checking Taylor Hall. They said it was three times. I thought it was five times. Yeah, I mean, bi- finally, <laughs> yeah, bi- the penalty. Yeah, Biz on the intermission. I think he counted six. He was like, he, yeah. it was actually pretty funny. He was talking like the count on Sesame Street. He's like one, ah ah ah, two, ah ah ah, three, ah ah ah, and kept going. I mean, it was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a terrible loss. I mean, it was a terrible mm-hmm. loss. Because they had a, they had the three one lead, they Avalanche were completely out of their game because of the hit mm. Hall laid on McKinnon. McKinnon's stick hits his own face. The refs called a a major so they could review it. They they deemed it was a minor penalty for interference. I don't know. I don't think it should have been a penalty at all. The puck was there, mm. Um, mm. and it was his own stick that cut him. So. I think because they called a major, maybe they had to give him a minor for it because uh, it's you know it looks pretty ridiculous. I mean, the crowd would have <laughs> go to major to nothing. Yeah, yeah. crowd would have went mental if you go from a major yeah. to nothing. Right. Uh, anyways, but it got the Avalanche out of their game. You know, the Bees were already on a power play, and then Johnson does that with Hall, gives the Bruins a five on three. They score, and then they score again on the second half of the power play, and then all of a sudden they're up three one, and you know looks good, and then. In the third period, they just went into a complete shell, stopped playing, mm. stopped skating. You know, everything was dumped out. They made no plays out of their own zone. And then a fluky goal goes in, and all of a sudden you're in a game now. And then the end of regulation, Marchand has an opportunity to get the puck out. Clear as day opportunity to get the puck out. And he throws it to the middle because he wants to try to get Bergeron an empty netter. The Avalanche keep it in, and then they score. You can't make those kind of plays late in the game against good teams. I understand you're trying to get your guy a goal, but sometimes you have to play fucking defense. Like sometimes the play is to get it out of the zone. It's not to try to make a blind pass when you're up by one late in the fucking game. Like that's just an inexcusable play by a guy who should know better. You should know better. He's an open. And and you know what? Brad Marchand is obviously a a great player, elite player, one of the top players in the league. But there are times when he makes some, he he almost plays too confidently and makes some boneheaded plays or tries to make a play that's not there or get a little cute, a little fancy, those types of things that irritate me some about him. And this is another case of that is that you have to understand that the Avalanche haven't lost in like, a thousand games like right. they're like a, a fi- hot as a firecracker like you have to understand that they're coming hard like it's it's three to two now they have uh, had all the pressure all the pressure the all the momentum yes yeah. you know for the last eight minutes like you have to get the puck out of the zone and just make the play and take the you know get the puck down the ice and then let's get the win and get the hell out of there right like, let's let's survive at that point but he you know it's not buffalo you know, and it's and it's three to two, and and you can make a kind of a play, and and that's fine. But it's it's the Avalanche, and they're they're hungry as hell to score the goal, and they of course they get the goal to tie the game, and then the the the, the overtime, which is I even texted you, I'm like, this is a bad matchup. Yeah, <laughs> three on three against this team is terrible. And then Mike Riley gets you know skated around and doesn't get into his body and just kind of flicks his stick out there and trips him. You know, and then and then it's four on three, and they had they almost survived it, but then Makar has a has a shot, and that's that's a goal. I mean, he's a great player, and that's yeah. it. 
So that's the end. And then that's, that's like you said, terrible loss can't happen. And that would have been a three and one week and now up to 52 points and really climbing in the point total. But so it's still, but instead you don't get the two points and it's just, it's just inexcusable. Yeah. Now really you've, is. now you've lost two in a row. I mean, the second one was right. an overtime, but now you've lost two in a yeah. row. I mean, all Mark yeah. deserved better in that game. He played fantastic in the third period. They had like 17 or 18 shots in the third period. He was standing on his goddamn head. You know, the yeah. goal, the second goal that goes in is a, is a bad bounce it like bounces, hits Lazar, bounces and bounces again and goes in off the post. I mean, that's terrible. And then the third goal, I mean, you know, goalie, uh, empty net, you know, and they score off a, off a nice feed from Kadri to Landeskog, who was all over Taylor Hall before. And you let that guy fucking tie the game after, right. you know, abusing Hall. All. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, almost, he almost, they almost tied it before yeah, it, about three minutes left when Brandon Carlo let a guy just lift a stick, right. and get a puck on net that almost went five hole mm -hmm. It almost gave him the game. Like he turns, you know, have a sense of urgency, Brandon, you're in front of the net, the puck's loose and you turn to look and see who's there. Just go play in the puck. You know, why are you turning to see if anybody's there? Like, it's just insane. Like, and Carlos got his head square up his rear end. And I don't know what the problem is. Or maybe he's just not that good. You know, may, maybe we've come to the point where he just is what he is. He's kind of a, kind of an average defenseman. And maybe that's what he is. And maybe, maybe they have to de determine if they're going to go long-term with this guy. Because he's not. We keep waiting for the next level of Brandon Carlo. We're just not getting it. I'm just not getting it. You're right. So I don't know if that's, if that's, you know, if they need to go in a different direction, maybe not this year, but maybe in the years to come. Mm. Um, all right. Now it's time for our seven chirps. where We answer seven questions uh, about the Bruins and, and the league. And this first question about the league, is it good for the league to have games on streaming services? Uh, are they over their heads? Are they overshooting this thing, overthinking it, having it on ESPN plus we have, Bruins fans everywhere, not knowing how to get it, where to get it from. It's just sort of, it's just, it's just too much. It's just too much. I'm kind of torn on this one because I think it's probably the way it's going to go. Like that's right. the way it's going to be in the future, but it's just not that way right now. So right, right. right now it's a tremendous pain in the ass to try to find the games and know where the games are. And right. you know, Oh, I, you know, I was trying to watch the Bruins, but it's blacked out and I can't get it because, you know, whatever reason, I don't know. There's, mm. I'm not, I'm not talking about this game in particular. I'm just like, if you, like you've, hear, you've heard people say that where they're trying to watch the games and they can't get the games or, you know, there's different stuff that's getting in the way of them being able to see the team. People just want to watch the teams on, on you know, their team on, on a channel that they can find where they know it's going to be. Um, so, I think it's going to go this way in the future and it probably will be the right thing, but it's not the right thing right now. Right. It is. And you know what? I almost think, and I know they can't do this, but I almost think if you had like an app, like the Bruins game app and you charge all the fans nine ninety nine for the season, they would just do it. Just so the app's there or the whatever's there, like it's there. Every single game is there, but you just, just seven or eight different channels. It could possibly be on. 
And every night tonight, you don't know it. ESPN Plus, TNT, NHL Network, Nesson. Nesson, Nesson can't be too happy about losing. What do they lose? Thirteen games or something? Like yeah, it's 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 sort of insane. And sometimes you just can't. TNT. If you don't have cable, if you have like Fubo, it doesn't have TNT, TBS. They don't have no. Turner Broadcast. No, I had to. So I had it's, to. It's insane. Yeah, I had to illegally stream the game tonight. So that <laughs> right. that, that was fun. So. That's so hopefully no one's listening to the <laughs> podcast. Okay. Uh, hey, number two, should the Bruins be responding more to targeting of teammates? Do they need an enforcer type? Do they do it enough? That's a that's an interesting question coming off of what happened tonight with the Avalanche because their captain right. they targeted Taylor Hall. He probably could have got a cup a penalty a few times because he hit him and then held him there as he's right. trying to get back in the play. So that's. I mean that shouldn't be allowed, no. and it was it was not a it was not a dirty hit. Uh, uh, you know, people can talk all they want about it, but he hit no. him with the shoulder in the chest, and his own stick rode up and hit him in the face. So, right. I if I'm Taylor Hall, I'm not answering for that either. Like no. his own stick cut him, dude, not me. Right. Like if right. Landis Scott wants to fight somebody, find out what kind of stick McKinnon has and snap it in half. I mean mm. that's what did the damage. You want to fight something, right. fight, go into the locker room, grab your buddy's stick and snap right. one. Maybe it'll right. make you feel better. And then Eric Johnson is cross-checking the hell out of him behind the net. That I mean, it didn't do him any good to put him in a hole, actually. So, yeah. I mean, should the Bruins be standing up for guys? Yeah, they should stand up for their teammates, but in the right way. I don't think they yeah, need an enforcer type, but they need they do need someone that's going to stand up for teammates, whether it's Trent Frederick or Nick Foligno or Brandon Carlo or Connor Clifton or Forbort for a big guy who doesn't seem to want to mix it up at all with anyone, which, no. I, which I, don't, I don't really understand. Yeah, they so need, they, they do Miller need an element of physicality. Somebody. They do need yeah. that, but they need to still do it in the right way. Like the Avalanche didn't do it the right way tonight and almost bit them, and it should have right. bitten them if the Bruins didn't fucking have a mental breakdown at the end of the game. Right. I mean, Paul, it was a Paul Bissonnette on the, on the studio said that he, he was, he was all for what Landis Cog did because even though he, it wasn't really a penalty or might've been borderline, wasn't dirty and that type of thing, he's still sticking up for a teammate who was injured. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, he's okay with that type of, uh, if it's, if it's borderline or if there's a question, you just go stick up for teammates, which I, I mean, I guess I can see, I, um, I think the whole, enforcer like enforcer and, and retaliation and all that stuff is really overblown it's not 1970 like i i just i just think that's really overblown i think if it's really a target issue with someone like a cadre or some asshole like a hathaway takes a run at someone or something or if it gets gets a little bit too chippy then absolutely and i don't even mind taking a penalty if if it's right like you said it has to be the right situation and the right response and I don't mind that, but in that in that type of situation, that's not enough for me to take a penalty like Johnson did, and then they score again. Right. You, you, it basically resulted in two goals and mm -hmm. a three to one deficit. Right. So that's not good either. So I think that I think players get torn with it too. Number one, they don't want to get suspended or fined. Yeah. And they don't want 
to, to cost their team. So there's a fine line there. And people just, you know, Neanderthal fans are just like, you know, Hello. Well, and, and, I mean, it's ridiculous. The other thing about it is that the whole enforcer thing is not a deterrent. As much as everyone says, oh, if he comes across the middle, he's going to think twice, you know, because somebody's going to come and beat the bag out of him. It didn't stop Matt Cook from ending Mark Savard's career. The Bruins had right. plenty of fucking guys, Zidane Ochara yeah. being one of them, who would beat right. the fuck out of anyone. So right. it's not a deterrent. You can no, say all not. you want about it. There were plenty no. of guys that were getting run no. and, right. you know, when there was the land of the enforcer guys and it was like Dale Hunter, you know, would knock out Rick mm -hmm. Middleton's teeth. Bruins had plenty of guys to stand up to Dale Hunter and they did, right. but it didn't matter. Right. It still right. happened. So what it is it? Yeah, yeah. So it's not going to stop somebody from laying no. the initial hit. It's just right. going to make you feel better when you get to have somebody fight that guy. Well, it doesn't right. help Mark Savard. He retired. No. That shit doesn't matter. It doesn't no, matter. It doesn't. You, you need to win the games. That's what right. matters. And you also don't need a hammerhead that doesn't offer anything else. You can't play that guy anymore. Right. You can't play him. You know, you can't, you can't have a guy like that. All right, number three. Cameron Taunton tweeted out, an interesting question. What Bruins player, past or present, exceeded your expectations the most when they got him? And which player disappointed you the most when they got him? Exceeded expectations to me. Uh, I'll go back to the cup team and say Dennis Seidenberg. Because I okay. thought he was yeah. a jag. I thought he was an yeah, absolute yeah. jag. I'm like, this guy is just a, he's just another guy. Just another right. guy. And he and Zidane Chara in that playoff together were shut down. They were. They were. He was outstanding. He was yeah. fantastic. And, right. you know, he trailed off at the end of his time here. But, I mean, the guy was a warrior. Brock blocked a ton of shots. He was hard to play mm -hmm. against. Like, those two together were just a beast pair. And mm -hmm. uh, them along with Tim Thomas was a big reason why the, why the Bruins yeah. won the cup that year. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. Back to that cup team, which is where I'd go, I would go to. And, you know, Michael Ryder and, and Steve Kelly, our buddy Steve Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Not Chris. Panger. Steve. Panger <laughs> thinks that Chris Kelly, Steve Kelly. He that's, corrected that's himself. He did correct he himself. Did. Yeah. But, those, yeah, those there was a couple of guys there. Chris Kelly was had big goals, had, yeah. had you know, big moments for them. And um, so, yeah, I, there were a, a, a few of those guys on that team that exceeded expectations absolutely and and disappointed the most i mean you can go back a ways on a on a few guys but you know i, I guess i guess i'd say I, one guy i was disappointed with was uh was thomas caberlet yeah because I, I thought caberlet was the right guy for them at the time and i was excited that they got him and then he was he wasn't very good at all i i would agree with caberlet he would definitely make my list and another one i would say and because they gave up a decent amount for him and it didn't really happen here for him was Rick Nash. I right. thought when they yeah. got Nash, I'm like, oh, that's a that's a pretty yeah, that's legit. That's yeah. a pretty legit move. And he didn't really do much here and then, you know, right. had some concussion things and it never really panned out. So uh that was kind of disappointing because I I thought that that would be an impact move mm -hmm. and it really didn't turn out that right. way. And, and another guy, you could say that Mark Recchi would a guy would be exceeded because oh, absolutely. I, he was at the end of his career yeah. and he had enormous plays and goals and an enormous effect on the teams that he was on here. So he, he got, they got everything they could out of at the end of his career. Absolutely. Well. Um, number four is Tuka Rask play early on here concerning it all. I mean, you have to say that it is. Yeah. I mean, you have to say that it is Yeah. just because he hasn't been good. 
So, right. I, I mean, that's yeah. that's a concern. That's a concern <laughs> yeah. because you need you want him to be good. Right. Will he yeah. round his game out and and find his game? Yeah, I think he will. I think he'll find his game, and I think he'll be fine, and he'll he'll be the guy that he has been and that you want him to be. But until that happens, you know, there's a concern there because mm. their goaltending hasn't been great. It's been kind of up and down. You know, you've seen stretches where it's been really good and some stretches where it's been fairly inconsistent or even bad. Mm. So you want him to to round his game out and be, you know, the guy who is top five in save percentage for a bunch of years. And I agree. It, you have to be somewhat concerned. Uh, I'm not like fully concerned i think you know rask gets his feet under and gets a rhythm going i think he'll be okay i think he'll be fine i mean i think he'll be more than fine probably yeah. but i think that i think that you're right you have to be somewhat concerned because it is what it is right now he's not very he hasn't been very good right. so so until he gets to a point where he's he's had three or four games in a row under his belt then you can move on all right number five at this point are the bruins just waiting jake debrusque out is there a chance he could stay? He's been really good, and tonight, again, another goal. Uh, two goals and two assists, I think, this week. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll, we'll yeah, playing pretty well. We'll be talking about Jake a little later. Yeah, yeah. There's a little yeah. foreshadowing for you um, folks. But Jake, but Jake, um, you know, is there a chance that he could, you know, if he's playing well, that he could say, you know what, let's, let's ride it out? Or do they need him as a chip to get something? I think they need him as a chip to get something. Yeah, I think I they do. And, and I mean, I, I suppose there's a possibility because you never know with Sweeney. I mean, I, I feel like he should have tried to do something already. Right. But if you can use Jake in pieces to get your mm. second line center for now and the future that you desperately, mm. desperately need, then you have to make that trade. I actually, I think this is a good thing for the Bruins that he's showing this. Now, Fluto Shizawa on, on the athletic wrote a piece about how teams are a little weary about getting married, quote unquote, to DeBrusque in a trade and that his value may not be where it needs to be. So I think right now with the deadline still a month or so away or a couple of months away, I think it's still a good, good for the Bruins that he's playing well because it may increase his value a little bit and give teams some security that he'll be okay. I agree 100%. Yeah. It, it can only help him playing well. Right. It can only help whether he stays with the Bruins or whether they are able to move him in, in part of a deal uh, to bring something else in, you know, the better he plays, the higher his value is, whether it's to you or, you know, to a team in a potential trade. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Number six, are you nay, yay or nay on acquiring the Canucks forward JT Miller? Yes. 100% yeah. in. You yep. know what? And I'll say this, JT Miller may be the perfect guy for this team. I, I agree 100% because he's fairly, he's got some size to him. He plays physically. He's talented. He scores goals. He's a two-way player. I mean, he's really everything you could possibly want in your second yeah. line center. Everything yeah, you could he, want. And he's, and he's on the contract this year and next. So he's on a true rental. Right. It's almost like a Charlie Coyle situation. We have another year of him. Yeah. Then you make a decision. Right. So, and he can play all the positions, mm -hmm. you know, wings and center. And he's, you slot him in there. You know, with with Hall and Pasternak, you know, I'm I'm all for that 100. And I think he's an under the radar. Like he, you could look back at the end of the year and be like, boy, that's a really good pickup for them. Even more so than like a closure or or one of those. Even a Thomas Hurdle. Like, I kind of like a JT Miller type of guy for this team more so than those other guys. 
Yeah, I would say Miller is my first choice. Hurdle would be my second choice. Giroux would be my third choice just because of age. Hurdle and Miller are more true centers than Giroux. Giroux's played more wing uh, later in his career. He can play center, but um, those other guys are better centers, I think, at this juncture in their careers. So that's the way I would go or I'd want to go in that situation. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number seven are the Bruins really taking Eurovac and Einan out of the lineup for Connor Clifton? I mean, they didn't tonight, but that's just because right. Grizzlick still wasn't in. But right. the rumblings are that Friday it's going to be Vac and Einan that comes out and Clifton's going to stay in. Yeah, which and I have no idea why. I don't either. I, I just, I don't understand it. I guess Vac and Einan was a minus player this week and Clifton was not. But to me, like he just offers so much more. Than Clifton does, right. and there's more of a ceiling. There's more, there's more ceiling right. to him. Yeah, you know. I think you he know, gives you. I think he gives you some offensive instincts, and is not as reckless defensively as Clifton is. That's part of my right. problem with Clifton is he's just all over the fucking place, and you can't really depend on him being where he's supposed to be. You can't really rely on him because you don't know what he's gonna do. It's erratic. Yeah, it's yeah. Cliffy Hockey. Like and you can play Vac with McAvoy. Like you can't play Clifton with McAvoy. Right. <laughs> so I mean, it's just more versatility there. And Clifton, I could see if Clifton was making like three million a year, then you play the guy you're paying. But he's making a million bucks a year. Like it's not like this. I I, I have no idea why you would play Clifton over Vac and I. I have no idea. Like that's a head scratcher to me. Yeah. Really I t- see, I think my ideal defensive lineup has Riley out too. I mean, people talk about, you know, he's, he's played better, which he has uh, tonight. Yeah. Not a great example of that. Cause he got walked no. by, I don't know who it was Rantanen or somebody, you know, I would go Vakaninen, Grizzlick, Forbert, even though I'm not a yeah. huge fan of Forbert, I, that's probably what I would do. And I would leave Riley out. And then the right side would be McAvoy, Carlo and someone else. Yeah, and someone else. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Let's check in on the Whipping Boys. All right, my Whipping Boy has been Trent Frederick, who's still out with injury. Uh, my question to you, Smitty, does he have a spot in the lineup anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he does. I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Unless DeBrus gets traded, uh, he doesn't have a spot in my mind. The lines, are, the lines right now are set the way they are. Like, I like the lineup the way that it is currently. Mm-hmm. Like, the third Thank line you. of DeBrus, Coyle, and Steen seems to have built some chemistry. He's going to fuck yeah. that up. The fourth yeah. line... Uh, Nosek, Lazar, and Bleed, I think, has some chemistry. Right. I'm not touching that. Nosek hasn't been great yeah. lately. Uh, Bleed right. was hurt. So unless, you know, Bleed is hurt or Lazar is hurt or Nosek is hurt, like that's right. the only place I see him going in as far as I'm concerned is one of those yeah. spots on the fourth line to right. spell somebody who gets injured. So, yeah. no, he, he doesn't he doesn't have a spot as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. So my whipping boy is Connor Clifton and he is pissing me off and <laughs> he, he didn't do anything one way or the other this week to stand out. He had a fight, which he won. Good for him. He had no points. He wasn't a minus player. So I guess that's good. 
I just don't want him in the everyday lineup. That's where I'm at right. with him. I don't yeah. want him playing every day. I want somebody no. else better than him playing every day. That's yeah, where I I'm at. I want him as a seventh or eighth defenseman. Correct. I and mean, that's what I want him as. And he's in there to spell guys who are hurt or a guy needs to go to the ninth floor or whatever. And, and that's it. And I'm with you on it. Um, all right. Time now to check in on our beauties and benders for this week. And the, my beauties, my top three. How about number three? I'm going to give it to Bruce Cassidy. And here's why. I think that the Bruins had struggled. He took a lot more heat than he has in past years. This is probably the most heat he's taken. Uh, and there's obviously a stubbornness on not breaking up the top line and also just the general way the team was playing and also some rumblings about maybe his interactions with players. So he took a lot of heat and the team has really bounced back and played extremely well almost since the time that the schedule you know, righted itself and it got into a rhythm. And I think Bruce and the coaching staff has done a pretty good job to get this team back to where um, they should be playing, the type of level they should be playing. So I'll give Bruce that call at number three. Number two, Charlie McAvoy, still one of the, I mean, he's one of the top defensemen in the league, plays a ton of minutes, and he's the backbone of the defense. If they ever lose him for a substantial amount of time, then you can just uh, you can just put the season to rest. Yeah, he had the GWG yeah. against the uh, against the Caps too. Snipe right. late that in that huge, one, huge, huge, huge goal yep. uh, to win that game. And then number one, David Parsonak had four goals over the course of the week, and he's now up to twenty goals, and you know he's tracking to again be in that 35-40 goal range. Yeah, he's he's uh, certainly turned it on this month. Uh, nice to see. Uh, mm -hmm. So my three beauties this week, uh, number three, I have Eric Halla. He had a goal and two assists this week, playing better in mm -hmm. between Hall and, and Pasta. So mm -hmm. uh, he had a pretty good week. Number two, I had Charlie Coyle. He had two goals and an assist this week. Chemistry with Jake DeBrusque and, and Oscar Steen mm -hmm. there. And uh, nice number goal in the five one three. Too. Yeah. And uh, number one, I have Jake DeBrusque, two goals and two assists mm -hmm. this week. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that line of uh, Coyle. DeBrusque and Steen's been playing well, and uh, it shows because uh, two of my three beauties this week were from that line. So Jake's been playing well. He's, you know, yes. four points in, you know, four games this week. So hopefully he's ramping that trade value up so JT Miller can come to the Bruins. Absolutely. Uh, all right, time now to pick out our three benders of the week. So my three benders this week, mm -hmm. number three, Brad Marchand. Basic. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. It's based just off tonight's game. That was an inexcusable gaffe at the end of this end of the game tonight to to basically give two points away and uh the Avalanche keep their uh, long home winning streak. Uh mm -hmm. number two, I have Brandon Kylo. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. No offense, no offense again this week. <laughs> no offense, no offense. No offense yeah. uh, you were my, he was minus two this week. And like I said before, if he's not giving you shutdown defense, what is he giving you? Because he yeah. doesn't chip in offensively. Well, that's so, what I'm saying. He's just an average defenseman. Right. That. So yeah. minus two this week, that's not what you're looking for from him. You're looking for a shutdown defense. And then number one, uh, Craig Smith. Face you're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. Marchand has been going. Bergeron's been, you know, down a little bit, but still getting some assists. Uh, Smith was minus two this week, no points. Four shots on net, riding the top line. You need to be better than that. You mm -hmm. know, if, if you're going to be on the top line there, you need to be 
either hunting pucks, winning puck battles, getting the puck to Martian, Bergeron, to have no points and only four shots, that's a rough week. Like you, yeah. if you, if that's going to be your spot, you need to be better there. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100. I think what you might see is if they get a JT Miller, you might see JT Miller play in there. Um, you know, and and, and who knows? And maybe you just keep the hall aligned the way it is, and maybe Smith plays with with Steen and Coyle, and and of course Jabrusk would be gone at that point. So right. who, who knows how, what you do there? Yeah. All right. So uh, my Benders number three, Thomas Nosek. Face. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. Thomas was going into tonight a minus player in four of the last five games. And he just, tonight he, he kind of took a stupid penalty too, mm-hmm. uh, that when they were up three to one that they survived. But that's the type of penalty that turns momentum and they had all the momentum in the world. And it was a puck battle. He came out from behind the net and just kind of a little bit more stick business. And it ended up being a penalty, and it just wasn't a smart play. And number two, I'm going to put Oscar Steen. Face, you're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. You know, Steen was, it was good when he first came up, and it was some real energy behind him joining the lineup. And I think he's kind of flattened out some. Uh, I'd like to see him uh, be a little bit more noticeable on the ice. I think it does help to play with DeBrusque and Coyle, who are both playing really well. Uh, I think Steve needs a little bit more to match them. And the number one, Tuka Rask. Face, you're a neo-maxi-zoom dweeby. Now, Tuka just hasn't been good enough, and he's an elite goaltender, and I'm 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 riding the Tuka Rask train from the beginning. Like, I, I think he's the best goalie they've ever had. I think he's a tremendously gifted goalie, um, but he just hasn't been good in this this last game against the Ducks was not good at all. Hopefully he gets his mind right. One thing about Tuca over the years that you can't fault him for is that he has been resilient. Like if he's had a stinker, he's usually come back and been a brick wall pretty soon after. So he's had some a ton of resiliency when it comes to that. And part of that's his personality. He can let it go and then go on to the next game. And I think his personality definitely helps him in this instance that he'll get it righted just hopefully it's it's soon without giving away too many games. So that's the that's the problem there. Now we'll take a look at the top seven Bruins, Bender's podcast power rankings, and the top seven teams that the Bruins Bender's podcast folks, Manny and Smitty, uh, deem as top seven, number seven, entering the top seven this week. Uh, are the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are eight and two in their last ten, they now have fifty nine points. They are climbing. The latter, they just re-signed Jeff Carter again. They did. So, you know, they're they're sneaky good. I think people have written them off coming into this season, but they are lurking right now, and uh, we'll see if they can continue it. Number six, the St. Louis Blues move up one spot, seven and three in their last ten. Number five, the New York Rangers, are, they move up one spot. They are first in the Metropolitan. Uh, number four, the Carolina Hurricanes are minus. Uh, they've dropped a spot. They are 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. And they dropped a spot because the Colorado Avalanche have moved up two spots to number three, first in the Central. And they uh, are just a freight train right now in a huge come-from-behind win tonight. Number two, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning remain at two, tied for first in the Atlantic as well as uh, the Florida Panthers are also in the top spot. They stay there with a plus 50 goal differential. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's plus, 50, good. plus 50 is pretty good. Yeah, they're a pretty yeah. good team. 
So the bottom three, number 30, the Philadelphia <laughs> Philadelphia Flyers, uh, they've lost 13 in a row. <laughs> yeah, wow. wow. <laughs> Minus 42 goal differential, and it looks like, uh, I mean, I think it's going to be up to him because he has no trade, but uh, looks like Giroux is, is on the block potentially, so uh, he could land somewhere possibly sure. with the Bruins. Number 31, your Arizona Coyotes with a minus 66 goal differential. Jesus. Wow. And then uh, number 32, your Montreal Canadiens with yes. eight wins on the season. They were pounded by the Minnesota Wild 8-2 to two in their last game, and they have a minus 64 goal differential, which wow. is horrendous for an original six franchise to be that bad is yeah. uh is actually quite nice and it i think they should nice. yeah. i think they <laughs> should is. stay there uh for all of eternity yeah i'm i'm loving it pretty pretty good and i, I would imagine they'll be fire sailing anybody that would want to take any of their players right now at the deadline uh all right the week ahead for the bruins and you know what they face two of the worst teams in the league coming up uh, january 28th they're at arizona and they're minus 66 goal differential and they'll be coming off this loss so you would expect a response from the Bruins on the 28th. On the 30th, they'll be at the Dallas Stars. And then on February 1st, home against the Seattle Kraken, another bottom dweller. So a chance here, really, to get six points. I mean, Dallas, you know, decent. And it's in Dallas, but they should get six points here, you would assume. You would. And the only, th the only caveat there is, is the Kraken game coming home after a trip. Right, tend to sure. not play great, so right. hopefully, um, because the Kraken are not very good, they will be able to take advantage of that, and they should. They should win the game, even if, even if they're not playing great, and they, you know, they, they come should. home yeah. off of you know the trip or whatever, tendency to not play well in those situations. But uh, they really should get six points in this upcoming yeah. week. If they can avoid Ryan Donato taking over the game, <laughs> I, I think they'll be fine. <laughs> I think they'll be just fine. Uh, all right, Bruins Benders poll this week, and you can follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter. We have polls each week. This week it was, what is your opinion of Garnet Hathaway's hit on Brad Marchand? Uh, the choices were suspendable, fine only, or just a penalty. 77% says suspendable. Uh, too bad the league did not say suspendable. 10% uh, said fine only, and 13% said just a penalty i thought it would i thought it was enough for a game or two myself but uh evidently it was nothing yeah i i thought it deserved a game or two because he shoved him from behind in the head area and finished his head into the boards and he has a history i think he's a dirty player i think he's always been a dirty player i wanted actually the bruins to get him uh, a couple of years ago because i think they they needed that kind of edge on them some of their lower lines not necessarily dirty play, but, you know, line line, yeah. toe in the line kind of, you know, I didn't think it was a great hit. And I think he, sh I like you said, I think he should have got a game or two from it. Yeah. And I, I think that that's true. So uh, keep an eye out next week uh, for our new poll, which will be coming out soon. And you can follow us again at Bruins Benders on Twitter. Hey, hometown boy, Keith Yandel from Boston played his 965th consecutive regular season game he broke Doug, Doug Jarvis's record he had not taken a game off since 2009 I mean to me that that's an unbelievable streak I mean the Ripken thing is is 
pretty amazing, but it's baseball for crying out loud. Right. <laughs> so right, like right. this, this is a pretty amazing thing to it not catch amazing. a stray puck and and miss no. a game or. And as I a defenseman, he takes physicality. Right. Absolutely. Know? Playing yeah. must have been playing through some things. I would think over the oh course goodness, of yes. of years and and hits yeah. and taking pucks and you know cross checks and all that. So uh, pretty pretty un- unbelievable um, accomplishment for uh, for Yandel. Yeah, no, no question. Uh, and according to Kevin Weeks, Evander Kane appears to be headed to Edmonton when his investigation in concludes, and we'll see if he's suspended or if he can play again. But if he does, it looks like it will be with the Edmonton Oilers, who have fallen on hard times after a quick start. And to add Evander Kane, who's very talented, and his, his production has been pretty consistent. And people may not realize it because of his, you know, off the ice stuff and on the ice stuff. But a Kane will be a, a really good addition to that team. We'll see if it would work, and we'll see if he'll be able to play. But that uh, sh- looks like he'll he'll be headed to Edmonton. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, Weeks Weeks did say that the other team involved is Florida. So, oh I wow. mean, if if I'm Kane, I'm probably picking Florida. But it seems like, according to Weeks, that the that Edmonton is the front runner at this time. And January 26th, which is today as we record, uh, is uh, Bell Let's Talk Day. So in Canada, uh, awareness for mental health issues and the hockey community has gathered together. They gave five cents for any type of hashtag, Bell Let's Talk hashtag, from anything, Snapchat or TikTok or uh, Twitter or texting. And it's up to like $2.6 million, 52 million times. The hashtag has been used, so a lot of awareness for mental illness issues around the league, and there's been a lot of talk about mental illness, not only because of CTE and some of the punishment that, and concussions and that and that sort of thing, but also through the pandemic, there have been players who have been outspoken. Chris Wagner's been one, Jacob Busker's been one, uh, as far as the Bruins are concerned, about mental illness and how the pandemic has affected them. So um, you want to go onto Twitter and use Bell Let's Talk. And it's okay, you know, to not be okay. So uh, absolutely, you know, it's it's something that you know the hockey community has gotten behind, and you know, hockey is hockey is the one sport where the community is just so tight, and there just seems to be a lot of care and everything um, involved in hockey. And hockey players, you know, seem to be very giving and very sensitive to things, and um, it's a great cause for sure. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And you can rate and review for charity as we will give a dollar to the Bruins Foundation for every rate and review on Apple or any rating that you give us on Spotify. You also want to follow us and subscribe to us on YouTube. On YouTube, just search Bruins Benders Podcast. We have a couple of interviews on there with Mike Milbury and Ira Ocal. So check those out as well. And, and go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. We have hoodies and T-shirts to go ahead and and uh, order yourself up some Bruins Benders merchandise. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening again. Uh, a two and two, a two one and one, I guess, week for the Bruins. Uh, and hopefully this coming week with some winnable games, very winnable games for us. So hopefully we'll get off uh, to a good week next week. And we'll be back again. We drop every usually every Wednesday night, unless there's a game. Then it'll be Thursday night. But thanks everyone for listening, and go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.